Episode 14, When Humor in Another Room Wouldn't Smell as Sweet. This week, former Vice President of the United States Joe Biden published an apology video for his insensitive behavior towards women in the past. Then he turned around and joked about that behavior to a room of union activists. What gives? And is this a big deal in the first place? What is his journey into this story teaching us about ourselves? Keep listening. Welcome to Peace Matters, a show that uncovers peace in our communities, our countries, and deep within our souls. I'm your host, Maya Mathias, founder of Inventive Links, a leadership development company that cultivates enlightened executives, creative citizens, and wise writers for a more peaceful planet. Join me as I share three things in the show. 1. Stories or trends that impact our capacity for peace in the world. 2. Insights and tools to help you cultivate more inner peace. And 3. Updates on the peace-building work I do, plus answers to your questions about creating a more peaceful existence for yourself and others. Be sure to head over to InventiveLinks.com to sign up for our Peace Matters newsletter where I share bonus resources to build more peace in your world. And now, on with the show. Part 1. As the World Turns. Stories or trends that impact our capacity for peace in the world. So I want to close off this week's exploration on episode 13 of the podcast, my Fridays for Peace live stream, and here now in episode 14, this story about Vice Pres- former Vice President Joe Biden and this fallout that that's happening around his behavior towards women that invaded their personal space and in some cases made them feel extremely uncomfortable. The thing is, this is happening against a backdrop of the fact that he is still standing, sitting pretty atop all the polls of Democratic contenders for the 2020 presidential election. And he hasn't even officially declared that he's running for president yet. So for all intents and purposes, this story might simply be a storm in a teacup and something that most voters won't be ruffled by at the end of the day. So that aside, I do want to speak to something that you may not be hearing from other commentators or, well, I'm not a commentator. I'm here to do different things in a different way, but it's not something you're probably hearing a lot of people who care about this stuff actually mention. Um, And I think I'm speaking about this because of my experience in the technology industry. And I've just written an article about my feelings around how technology is not really serving humanity adequately right now. But that aside, the lesson I want to speak to in this particular case of Joe Biden is it's a lesson many of us may still not fully realize because thanks to how pervasive technology is in our lives now, whether it's observable technology or covert technology, most of us, as we move about our lives, and particularly if we are public figures, we're being recorded in more places than we'd care to know or fully understand. And because of that, what we utter in one room, what we might think in the past to be a safe and closed space, 
often doesn't translate well into another room, especially if derogatory humor is involved. Even in this case, when Vice President Biden's humor was somewhat self-deprecating. And let me explain what the joke is if you haven't been following the story all that closely. So once he came out with his apology video towards the end of this week, and he said, you know, I didn't understand, I wasn't really listening to why my behavior wasn't appropriate in those circumstances with women. And then towards the end of the week, he was speaking to a room uh, of union activists. I believe it was a conference for electrical workers. And one of the first things right off the bat that he said after he had given the host and the person who had introduced him a hug, the minute he stepped up to the microphone, he said, now I need you to know that he just, he gave me permission to hug him. And that of course sent the room into peals of laughter. Um, and it worked for the room, but you, as you can imagine, once a recording of that started going around the internet and people was like, that was insensitive. You, and it contradicted what was his, what was in his apology video. Cause on the one hand he came across his feel as being very concerned with and open to listening to the people who had um, expressed their dissatisfaction with the way he treated them. And on the other hand, he was joking about it to a whole other room. So I want to quote something from an article written in Slate magazine, and I'm going to be posting a link to this article in this week's issue of my Peace Matters newsletter. So if you want to read the whole article, be sure to subscribe to my newsletter or look in my newsletter archives um, for the issue dated April 7th, 2019. So here's the quote. Every joke is meant for one room or another. Some group of people with a particular set of values whose approval the joker hopes to gain. But once that joke gets out of the room, all bets are off. The problem with rooms, after all, is all the people they exclude. That's written by Laura Miller um, in a piece she did for Slate magazine. So there's a lot of truth to this because humor is meant to call out our silliness and the sometimes the mystifying frustrations of our human condition. But when you have jokes like this, that the minute they get outside of the room, it speaks directly to the pain and hurt that a marginalized or disrespected community is suffering from, then that joke takes on a whole other meaning. And it's not about being politically correct. I think there's something deeper about this that if we want to be respectful of each other as fellow human beings, it's something to think about. So here, this begs the question, if we're all going to be walk, starting to walk around being extremely sensitive to how people might be offended by what we say, will this then make comedians less funny? Will it make politicians less able to work a room like Joe Biden was trying to do in that room of union activists? Or will all of this make a serious dent on free speech? Because free speech, especially in America, is sacrosanct. And 
although we're having discussions about how far we can take it, especially when it becomes hateful, incites violence, or leads to violence against each other. That aside, does something like this, what seems like a harmless joke, will it make us think twice about joking in that way? And will it just curb our sense of free expression? I don't think so. I think there's still room for us to have our body (laughs) sense of humor. But if you do want to court an increasingly diverse electorate, or fan base for that matter. Insulting them when you think they're not looking or listening to you may not always be a wise move. It's your call at the end of the day. I'm not here to advise you one way or the other, but this is in the ether right now. And we are living through a time where more and more people want to use their voice. And in wanting to use their voice, they want to know that that voice will be heard and respected. And jokes often work countercurrent to that. Part two Ohm is where the heart is insights and tools to help you cultivate more inner peace. So on this subject of joking or saying something that speaks specifically to the room that you're in, I want to offer up this wonderful counterpoint to what I just shared with you in terms of Vice President Joe Biden. There is a candidate already on the campaign trail, although he, like Joe Biden, hasn't officially declared he's in the 2020 presidential race yet, is Mayor Pete Buttigieg from South Bend, Indiana. And he's been having a series of breakout moments in the public domain. He's been doing tons and tons of appearances on the media and in town halls and rooms all across the country. And he had another breakout moment today when he addressed a room full of activists and champions of the LGBT community. And I believe they, this, this group and this audience represents and helps to champion more politicians or people getting into political office who come from their community, the LGBT community. And if you haven't watched his speech yet, I will be linking to it in my newsletter. So again, check that out later this week when I publish it. And... One of the things that I really liked about this speech is, although it played completely to the room that he was standing in front of, and he spoke to the fears and concerns and struggles and challenges and triumphs of the LGBT community through the years, it also played really, really well outside the room because what he said rings with a truth that few people can deny, get insulted by, or get angry about. And I think if you want to be in a position where you are playing to a room with both authenticity and also sensitivity to the issues that you're raising, his speech is something you can look to 
for guidance. And um, I look for more speeches like that from him and from other people in public life. And one more point on that. For the first time in a long while, I think, in American politics, and I might be wrong, so feel free to let me know if you come up with other examples, but I feel that it's interesting because when you think about Pete Buttigieg specifically, standing in front of an LGBT audience and being a fellow, being part of that audience because he is a gay man, in his very demeanor and in who he is, the face of persecution looks an awful like the face of power. Because if you didn't know he was a gay man, he strikes you as male, Caucasian, well-schooled, and well-traveled. And you wouldn't, you couldn't begin to think or wonder about his struggles in life because he doesn't present himself as someone who has faced persecution or has had a lot of inner turmoil about being a gay man in a conservative culture and society. And that's one of the things I love about him as an individual and as a candidate for president, because his very identity cuts across so many current lines of division here in America right now. And it forces us to see each other as far more complex and nuanced than the cultural caricatures that we paint of each other and sometimes of ourselves. Part three, News and Views, updates on our peace-building work, plus answers to your questions about creating a more peaceful existence for yourself and others. So in this episode, I am celebrating the fact that my Peace Matters newsletter, which was the very first thing I created before I launched the podcast and started the Fridays for Peace live stream, because they're all three of a piece. The newsletter itself is eight about eight months old and going strong. And I've packed lots and lots of stories and insights into each issue of this weekly newsletter. Now, looking back on the issues I've produced, I realized, wow, there's so much packed into each issue. And I would love for more of you to be able to go back into these archives and read all the stuff that I've written in those newsletters. But it would have been too much to ask of you to just pour through every issue and try to find the stuff that speaks to you. So what I decided to do is to look back on each issue, compile the contents into separate categories, categories that match world peace goals or inner peace goals that you may have, or these may, if they're not goals, they may be themes that you may want to dig into a little more and to understand a little more. So if you're listening to this right now and you haven't yet joined my Peace Matters newsletter list, now's the time to do it. Or whenever you're listening to this episode in the future, this is the perfect time to sign up now because you will be given the chance to choose the goal or the theme that you want to dig into And that will give you a chance to explore all the old issues of my newsletter. 
I'll be guiding you through these past issues based on what you most want to question or understand in your own life. All you have to do is go to inventivelinks.com. There is a button right there on the homepage that you can click on to learn more about the newsletter and to subscribe. Okay, before I sign off for this episode, remember to check out inventivelinks.com slash events for my upcoming workshops and live streams because there's always something happening every week that you can take part in and lend your voice to in our shared pursuit to create a more peaceful planet for all of us. Okay, thanks for listening and I will catch you next time on the Peace Matters podcast. Bye for now. You've been listening to Peace Matters with me, Maya Mathias. This podcast is proudly powered by Inventive Links, a leadership development company that cultivates enlightened executives, creative citizens, and wise writers for a more peaceful planet. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it by going to inventivelinks.com support. Want to take your podcast experience to the next level? Sign up for my next online workshop, and start building a stronger path to peace inside and out. Go to inventivelinks.com events for more information. Sign up for a workshop, then show up with your best questions on the stories and insights we feature and with a sincere desire to lead a more peaceful existence. Till next time, let's make peace matter more each day. Bye for now.